Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard-to-recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here this week to do the Know Your Foe episode with the Green Bay Packers guy, and that's Marcus Whitman joining us uh, from, not Wisconsin, right, Marcus? Correct. I am actually Minnesota born and raised, and uh, joining you from just outside of Chicago, <laughs> um, where our wedding is going to be this weekend, so surrounding the Wisconsin border a little bit. But uh, thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to talk about little Packers Ravens here. Yeah, well, congratulations, first of all, on getting married. That's great news. Hope it works out. So we'll say <laughs> that to people. You know, it's, it's, I, I don't mean anything bad by it. Um, it. Tell folks where they can find your work, where they can talk football with you on Twitter, first of all. Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter. It's at TFG underscore football. And then all of my content is uh, mostly video content up on YouTube, which is going to be YouTube.com slash that franchise guy. 
All right, terrific. Well, uh, lots of things going on with the Green Bay Packers this year. We've learned a, a few things about Aaron Rodgers' feet and his what he considers immunization this year. But but let's start with the offseason first and talk about a few of the big moves the Packers made this offseason, starting with free agency, the draft, and and maybe some key injuries that are that are either returning or have, or have uh, started up. Yeah, so Packers offseasons tend to be a little bit more quiet than a lot of teams. Uh, just their overall team philosophy is very much draft and develop and don't get so involved in free agency, but uh, Rogers himself kind of spurred on a little bit of a change in philosophy this summer. Um, so that's been kind of fun to see that whole, I guess, drama play out and uh, whatever people's stances on Rogers, I think it's kind of hard to argue with, with what he said about, how the Packers don't spend a lot of time bringing in, you know, street free agents, league minimum veteran types of players. Whereas for the last 10, 20 forever years, the Packers typically just call up, you know, whoever's next up on their, on their practice squad. And that's often Hmm. pretty, pretty poor talent. And uh, this year they've actually started to do a lot more of those, those veteran free agent pickups and they've made huge differences on this team season. So you're looking at like Rasul Douglas has been um, one of the top graded corners in the league for the last several weeks. He's been awesome. Um, Devondre Campbell for the uh, linebacking group there has been huge. So that, that group right there has, has done a great job uh, elevating the roster talent right there. Is there is there any kind of a irony here that Rodgers, who certainly is one of the best paid quarterbacks in the game, it's it's his salary which holds off a lot of the larger price free agents from coming to Green Bay. Didn't stop them from you from pilfering Cedarius uh, Smith from us, but but if if we're looking at uh, is he really talking about bringing in people who make the vet men who might have been in the league five six years as opposed to going to a second or first year practice squad guy. That that was something that he highlighted in his uh, that big thirty minute press conference the the day he decided to come back. That was, I suppose, one of the differencing uh, differing in opinions that he's had with with their organizational philosophy. Um, but he, I think, it's a little bit of everything. I think you you can also look uh, throughout the years. Um, you know, the Packers have really not utilized the the cap space to their best advantage, especially in that. Oh, about 2013 to 2017 window, they would pretty often sit on about 15 to $20 million of cap space that they, they probably could have used on some of those more big budget free agents. Uh, as of the last couple of years, you make a good point. You know, Rogers contract does eat up a lot of room. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they're, they're not exactly swimming in cap space as they sit right now. Um, but certainly when Brian Gutekunst came in, they spent one year uh, really loading up on, the Smith brothers, Adrian Amos, Billy Turner. Uh, that was in large part because the roster was really in a bad place at the time. But since then, you know, the last two summers, they haven't been as active in free agency. And I think that was where Rodgers really spoke up. All right. All right. Tell us about the draft class from this year. Eric Stokes was a guy I really loved at corner out of Georgia. Uh, tell us about the class in general and how they played. Yeah, it was an interesting draft um, as Packers kind of, go their own way a lot of times as opposed to your typical consensus rankings. Um, but Eric Stokes has been a, a phenomenal pick. And and I, I really thought someone like Asante Samuel in that position would have been uh, maybe a better fit and a better talent. But you got to admit, Brian Gutekunst has, has had a good record with cornerbacks. And, and Eric Stokes 
brings that length and the speed. And one thing he's done a lot better um, as a rookie here that, that I didn't see from him coming out of Georgia is really good zone coverage instincts. He's uh, really fit into what's one of the more zone heavy schemes in the entire league and fit in just perfectly fine. So he's been a really good find uh, in the second round. They drafted uh, Josh Myers to replace Corey Lindsley. It's, you know, he's been injured, so it's tough to say exactly uh, what that future outlook looks like for him. He had a good start. He looks like he can be a nice player. It uh, does hurt a little bit that uh, they they passed on Creed Humphrey, who's currently the number one rated center in the entire league for the Kansas City Chiefs. But, uh, you know, Josh Myers can, can still have a nice impact and, and maybe can get healthy here heading into the playoffs, but he has missed a lot of time. And then beyond that, it's it hasn't been uh, any any huge impacts. They took Amari Rodgers in the third round, and he just hasn't gotten on the field a whole lot. They don't use a ton of, um, you know, they'll go eleven personnel, but a lot of times when they do, it's it's with Lazard and and Scantling with with Adams in the slot. So they don't always use those typical slot guys, and and they obviously brought in Randall Cobb who's been starting over him. So he hasn't made too big of an impact. Uh, one guy, one last guy worth noting is to Daryl Slayton, who's a late round D tackle out of Florida, big nose tackle type. And another guy that's had limited opportunities, but he's actually, uh, especially this last month has looked really good uh, rotating in there up front. So they've, they've had a pretty solid draft class all around, I would say. All right. Very good. Uh, long run cap situation. You mentioned that they, they weren't in great shape right now. Um, where are they looking for 2022 and beyond? Do they have a lot of excess? They have some excess cap running off the books or shortage of players under contract. Where are they? Uh, Packers are in one of the more complex um, future cap situations coming up. They are one of, I think, five teams with projected negative cap space next year. And we'll see where the, the cap ends up sitting uh, after kind of that weird lessened cap season last year, but uh, or this season rather, but you think about $30 million over the cap right now, they have um, Devonte Adams is an impending free agent, which his contract alone would, you know, um, add, add about double of that deficit. So they're, they're definitely in a, a tough spot. They, they kind of need to wait and see what happens with, with Aaron Rodgers situation. Cause if they move on from Rodgers, that puts them back um, at even basically. And then you kind of go from there. Does, does Devonte want to come back with, without Aaron Rodgers? Does he want to move on? Uh, and then it, those are really your two big focal points. And if they need to clear some cap space, you're probably looking at, the departure of one of, if not both of the Smith brothers is Zadarius, who obviously Ravens fans are familiar with. He's coming off kind of a, you know, a rough kind of back injury deal. I, I don't know if they want to commit to him long-term and Preston Smith as well, who's a, another pretty major salary cap hit. So that's kind of where they're at. They're definitely not going to be a team spending a lot in free agency this year, this time, rightfully so not a lot of cap space to go around, but they, they definitely have a tough outlook as far as their off season ahead. If, so it looks like Rodgers next year will have a $26 million, $26.5 in base salary. So if they cut him, they could save that. But there's also just about the same amount, maybe $26.5, a little more in dead money on the contract too, right? That's right. Yeah. Bonus for two years. Yeah. It's a tough situation. Mm-hmm. Very hard. Very hard to move on from a franchise quarterback these days. 
just it's it's always takes a big choke down of air or something the the year you do it and and the ravens are very lucky actually i think to go from flacco to to uh jackson the way they did mm-hmm. yeah and that's right. the hope with love in there yeah but you have to you have the 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 guy you think uh, mm-hmm. let's talk offense here uh and and what are the uh, kind of the strengths of uh of this team what does rogers do well as a quarterback right now what was i'm sorry what was so the question is, you know, in moving over to the offense, what does Rodgers do well as a quarterback now? Oh, um, yeah. I mean, he, what, what does he not do well? He's, he's, I guess the one knock would be that he's slowing down a little bit. Uh, plus that toe injury. He's not, uh, he doesn't have that same ability maybe to elude sacks and get on the run, outrun defenders, but you're still seeing some of that. And then, you know, really you throw on high level processing still, top geez five seven arm talent in the league accuracy in rhythm accuracy off platform quick release he avoids mistakes uh, always towards the bottom and interceptions and uh, turnover where he plays and even if he's not as as much of a spry chicken as he used to be inside the pocket he still has in my opinion the most rare pocket presence that any quarterback's ever shown just as far as that eye in the back of his head um, just so majestic at navigating pressure to extend plays inside or outside the pocket. So he, he really is that ultimate quarterback of, as far as forcing defenses to, um, you know, basically have no answers. So, you know, this, the, the list of strengths is very long and that list of weaknesses with him is, is very short. I, I suppose if you want another weakness, sometimes he can look for that. He can get in these stretches where he, really wants to look for that big play. And if teams aren't giving him those big plays, he can hold the ball a little bit too long. Um, it's a pretty common weakness for a lot of these quarterbacks that like to extend plays. Um, but as, as far as that goes, it's, it doesn't hamper him too much. When you, when you find you're talking to analysts for other teams, and I'm hoping I'm not in this group because it wasn't the way I intended the question, do you find often, particularly in the division, that they're all looking for problems with Rodgers? Because we, we get that with Jackson, by the way, all the time. Jackson's obviously in a big slump right now, but uh, and, and he probably will not play against the Packers, is my guess. Mm-hmm. But but uh, it, it, do, you, do you find that Bears fans or Vikings fans who, you know, long-suffering at the hands of Rodgers are always looking for flaws in his game? You know, in my honest opinion, I, I actually would say it's the, the teams that face him twice a year realize – how how good he is how dangerous he is i actually see the most respect coming towards rogers from divisional fans of divisional teams it's oftentimes the fans of you know um <laughs> patriots bucks the, the brady rogers debate is always significant um those tend to be the people that will look for the most flaws um okay. or or seattle or you know teams that maybe don't haven't seen Rodgers throughout 10 years and see what he's accomplished throughout his career more so are just comparing him to the guy that they have watched, I think is uh, typically where you see people going out of their way to, to try and nitpick holes in his game. All right. All right. Fair enough. I'd like to have a thorough review of, as you can, about the offensive line from left to right. Oh man. As it sits here today. <laughs> Do the best you can, man. That's yeah, it's um, me in Baltimore. We're having to do that same thing. Yeah, 
it's um it's in a bad place right now it really is uh so left tackle it's it's actually been okay this year but david bakhtiari uh still strangely enough hasn't come back from that acl injury which you know packers are always pretty conservative with rushing guys back but that's a that's a really long we're looking at about 12 months at this point uh for an acl recovery so um it's been a slow slow process trying to get him back but they've they've done a great job with uh originally elton jenkins who was one of the biggest surprises of the year Uh, not that we thought he was a bad player but for him to step out from guard to tackle and frankly be one of the five to ten best left tackles in the nfl was really impressive and then unfortunately he goes down with his own acl injury so that that was a huge killer Uh, but then this yashua nishman who I, i think i said that right uh, he's been developing practice squad guy. He's started four or five games this year at this point, and he's held up pretty well. And he's held up against some pretty good rushers, guys like Nick Bosa. So uh, he's actually been a pretty nice band-aid at left tackle uh, mm-hmm. to the point where they're not too worried about that spot. Uh, but, you know, left guard, they were hoping to eventually slide Elton Jenkins over there. And um, they've been rotating guys in and out at left guard uh, who did they let me just check who they even started last week um, because they also have had an injury at center where um, I mentioned Josh Myers has I'm sorry I'm just checking here Royce Newman's been right guard and then they slid last week John oh Runyon. John Runyon of course that was a that was a brain fart there John Runyon's been solid a left guard this entire season. Uh, and then at center, they've slid. Um, oh boy. Lucas Name Patrick. Yeah. Lucas Patrick. Thank you. Uh, Lucas Patrick has slid in there and he's another guy that's been on the roster for three or four years. He's been solid. So left guard center spot and right guard rookie Royce Newman, they've played okay. It hasn't been a huge strength for them. Um, fortunately they've, that group has stayed healthy and been okay. And now right tackle Billy Turner his own knee injury this week and uh the tackle depth is going to be tested again they uh did sign dennis kelly in the off season. he was one of those uh cheap veteran pickups that i was alluding to that uh that you know having that depth is is definitely going to be tested and i think that's going to be a valuable pickup for them to have i i keep forgetting dennis kelly came from the steelers or the titans the titans yep okay all right. I just, uh, players I get mixed up between there, but uh, appreciate that. Okay. So uh, it's it's actually nice to hear for Ravens fans that there's another team out there suffering a tackle a little bit like they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Ravens have, have clearly not got it done. I don't know if you've been really watching it, but the uh, uh, the pass rushers are going to enjoy watching films this week in the, in the Green Bay uh, edge room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's been rough. It's been really rough for, for Baltimore. All right. How about the wide receivers and take us through, you can include the tight ends in this group too. Yeah. Um, so you've obviously got Devonte Adams, who's just versatile, explosive, probably the best release off the line of scrimmage. He's uh, talk about a team that likes to press in Baltimore. You, you don't want to press Devonte Adams. Like he, he just will set you up in a variety of ways. Uh, he's got the speed to get deep. He's got the run after catch ability. He's possibly the best receiver in the NFL right now. So that's great. And then you get after that and it's, man, it it might be the worst group of receivers um, after a number one option in the league. You're, you've got 
Marquez Valdez Scantling, who's who's kind of that one trick pony deep threat. He fortunately this season to this point has improved his his really catastrophic drop issues. It's it's kind of similar to uh, what Marquise Brown has has gone through uh, out there in Baltimore. Uh, he just doesn't Scantling just doesn't bring the ability to separate on different levels like Brown does. Uh, but he's kind of your perimeter deep threat that they've honestly had a, had a somewhat difficult time getting him reintegrated into the offense since he he came back from injury. You got Alan Lazard, who's um, Miles Boykin, basically mm-hmm. six foot five guy, um, straight line speed, but a good run blocker, but not a reliable contested catch guy relative to his size, and uh, not a great route runner. So he's he's there. Rogers trusts him, but he's he's not a huge weapon. Randall Cobb is uh, probably not going to be playing here. Definitely not this weekend. They're hoping to get him back for the playoffs. He, I think it was a groin injury. Um, he's had a great year. He's looked really explosive, um, but obviously injured right now. And then Amari Rogers might get, a, get that opportunity to step up a little more in the slot moving forward. Uh, so that's your wide receiver group. And then at tight end, they did have a good weapon there in Robert Tunyon. That was another injury for Green Bay. So he's done for the season, an ACL injury. And then after him, it's it's really not a, a dangerous group, especially as receivers. Um, you're looking at a lot of blocking types, Mercedes Lewis, uh, Dominique Daphne, Josiah DeGuara, third-round pick last year. It's it's really no one you're, you're too afraid of in the receiving game from a matchup perspective, but I will say what they do well is almost bait you into that, and they, they will hit you with some tight end screens with those guys because you're just not expecting them to um, you know, be, be schemed up in a screen like that. Mercedes Lewis had a huge game against the Ravens with Jacksonville when the Ravens went to London to play them. <laughs> one of the one of the worst losses they've ever had. But Mercedes Lewis was all over the field in that game. So um, looks like he's he's got some decent grading from PFF here. It, it's uh, uh, you, I know you're watching it personally, and you could tell me differently, but uh, it's, it seems like he's been playing pretty well. Yeah, they they really have almost perfected his role. He's, he's never been this ultra explosive receiver, but he's really good with the ball in his hands. He's, you know, one of the better tight ends in the league at just kind of pushing guys aside and, and making that first guy miss. That's why they like him in the screen game. He's got a reliable pair of hands, but he's not, he's not outrunning anybody. He's not leaping over anybody for amazing catches. He's, um, you know, really utilized in the short game and in the red zone like that, um, which is, you know, he's going to grade out well when basically he's only throwing the ball when he's wide open, basically, is is what it comes down to. Okay. He's 37 years old now. I think he's been in the league. I, Sam Cook, I thought he joined the Ravens in 2006, too. He's in his 16th season now. So that's pretty remarkable for an yeah. NFL player these days. Absolutely. How about the running back group? That's a special group right there. You've got, you know, your, your classic kind of lightning and thunder approach but your lightning has a little thunder. Your thunder's got a little lightning. Both those guys can do it all. Um, you're, you're keeping them fresh. Green Bay really leans into the run game too. They'll hit you with, with zone runs. They'll hit you with, with gap runs. Um, it's, there's really nothing, nothing that, that you can't say about that group other than um, maybe they shouldn't have kept Aaron Jones because AJ Dillon is that good. And they have this tough contract situation. They could, probably use that $10 million in cap space, but that's really the only down thing to say. Um, honestly, 
All right. Well, uh, are those guys splitting most of the snaps? Is there anybody else getting a little bit of time as a third back? It's a little difficult to say because Aaron Jones uh, missed that little bit of time with an MCL sprain. And in that time, A.J. Dillon is, is really broken out uh, as a, a borderline superstar. So it's it's a little hard to say kind of how that group's going to look moving forward. Uh, before this kind of four-week stretch by A.J. Dillon, it was, I would say, a 65-35 split with mm-hmm. Aaron Jones getting it. But I would not be the least bit surprised, especially with December football here, if A.J. Dillon actually gets more of a 60-40 share there and Aaron Jones becomes more of a third down back um, because especially in cold weather football, A.J. Dillon is just a a different type of sledgehammer. The Packers offense, they really like heavy personnel. They love to run the ball. They want to have that physical mentality. And I think just that staff that invested in A.J. Dillon with a second round pick, I could see them really leaning into him down the stretch and him, him being more of the early down back getting a little more carries now in they do not really use a fullback or if they use a fullback they use a tight end in the backfield yeah it's it's kind of those h-back types uh dominique daphne and and josiah deguara both kind of athletic profiles for a fullback they're they're definitely not a patrick ricard um they they really like them in the wing uh off flex tight end that kind of stuff and they will uh, end up at, at fullback occasionally, but that's probably about 15% of the time. It's a lot of single back. Well, you're, you're telling us a little bit about the about tight ends playing fullback, and that I think that's fine. So is it is it a lot of 12 personnel then, get two tight ends on the field, not sure exactly where you line them up, or is it more uh, a lot of 11 and, and uh, letting Rodgers have three receivers? Yeah, 12, 12 personnel and sometimes even 13 personnel. It's... Uh, mm-hmm. Unless they're using Aaron Jones more as a, a slot receiver who can kind of motion in and uh, kind of play around with pre-snap motion as as more of a you know twenty-one personnel type of of deal, it's yeah a lot of twelve personnel uh, where you're going to see specifically Daphne and Deguara motioned around on the wing as their lead blockers. Okay. All right. And they, they use, do they use their motion on receivers more often than on, sorry, on tight ends to, to make blocks as opposed to on receivers? You've seen the Ravens offense there out and how much the Ravens do that. Yeah, it's it's um, I would say it's pretty different from what Baltimore is doing uh, just because you're, you know, I think Baltimore is a little more power oriented. You're, you know, trying to get those fullbacks up the middle a lot more often. Although I know what you're saying where, where they, we'll get those guys moving on the outside. Um, I would just say if they're motioning guys in to be blockers, that to me would indicate um, that they're, they're likely going to be moving them outside as opposed to leading up the middle. Okay. All right. Uh, any common plays and formations we should look for that are Packer specialties that we don't see other where, or even that are other where, but other places, but, uh, but the Packers do them a lot. They do a pretty pretty good job of mixing up um, what they're showing. We, we talked a little bit about 12 personnel. You're going to see a lot of that on first and second down. You're going to see uh, some 13 personnel where they're moving a guy like Alan Lazard into more of a flex tight end-esque blocking type there. So if you get 13, or if you get 11 personnel and Lazard's out there, he's a very good blocker. He's one of the better blocking receivers in the league. So they will use him. 
uh, in a lot of bunch, a lot of um, 11 personnel where they're bringing them into the box. So I'd like to ask all the guests when they come on, what's the most common uh, defense they'll see in two particular situations? One is uh, when the Ravens are in their more typical heavier formations, the Ravens, of course, show a lot of 12 and 21. Uh, Patrick Ricard may not play this week, in which case that's going to limit some of the things they do. Uh, and then also on third down, they're more likely to either show either 12 or 11. Um, and if they show 11 and it's a high leverage passing down, what do the Packers normally bring out in terms of a defense there? Yeah, so if it's if it's first down, I think the Packers will, will come out and base if you're in a heavier package. If it's anything after first down, even if they're out in a, in a 12 or a 21, you're, you're probably going to see more of that base uh, two, four, five nickel. And then in a high leverage passing situation, you're, you're definitely going to be looking at, at a lot of those sub um, kind of dime looks where you're getting Kenny Clark lined up right on the nose. And then they'll do um, different looks. Sometimes they'll, they'll have your classic two edge rushers there and then they'll, they'll bring Devondre Campbell. Uh, who's been a great blitzer this year. They'll bring him in as kind of a rush linebacker. Uh, so you're going to have to account there. Uh, and then they'll also have more of your typical uh, four-man fronts where you're going to be, you're going to have to account for Kiki or Lowry who are having decent seasons. Uh, but I think they almost prefer to go uh, with seven defensive backs. You go Gary Clark and Preston Smith with Campbell being that rush linebacker who, uh, I know Lamar probably isn't going to go, but he would also be your contain guy in that situation, your spy guy. Okay, so they haven't faced the Ravens have not faced much quarter this year. They've not played much quarter themselves, even though at times in the past they played a lot of it. I, I think of the Packers classically as being a fairly a team that likes to play six defensive backs a lot. Yes. Uh, okay. And and have there been years recently where they've been up in the forties in terms of percentage of snaps in dime? Yeah, I know last season they and the defensive coordinator has changed now. Um, but last season they they were the lowest percentage of base defense in the league. Uh, so either nickel or dime. I haven't seen those splits this year, but it definitely has not changed. Uh, their philosophy on that has not changed much at all because they have these really athletic, big pass rushers. Uh, Gary, Preston Smith, Kenny Clark, all these guys. Um, they can defend the run out of smaller packages. So they, they invite teams to run against those looks. And if they can stop the run out of that, that's when you get really good defensive games. Um, but then mm-hmm. you, you can run on that. Sometimes it doesn't always work. And that's when you can get the Packers on their heels a little bit, uh, make them play left-handed. Right. Okay. Uh, the, the Ravens historically with Jackson, even when they've had some good offensive line situations, they haven't played well against teams that have really lightened up. And, and go on to seven defensive backs, most notably against the Chargers in the playoffs in 2018. Uh, they just they won the game at the line of scrimmage with their four heavies, and they had seven defensive backs behind them and did a great job stopping the run with them. And uh, that was a big disappointment. Yeah. But uh, okay, uh, that's that's cool. Uh, now let's talk specifically about rotation and snap management. So I like to learn your pass rushers and the guys who are playing with a hand in the dirt. Uh, how often do they come off the field or a lot of them committed to be on for a high percentage of snaps? So you're really going to focus on those big three there, Kenny Clark and Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary. And then they basically are going to rotate around that, especially on important downs. You will get for your rundowns. You'll see 
uh, a little bit of Tipa Galay and um, Jonathan Garvin, just kind of your, your classic rotational role players there. Uh, nothing to be too worried about there, but um, you know, kind of, as I mentioned, they'll, they'll bring in either a, a rush linebacker or they'll move in Dean Lowry or Kingsley Kiki are kind of their rotational second rusher up front. Mm-hmm. Um, and then your rotational run defenders are going to be to Daryl Slayton and uh, Tyler Lancaster, who are pretty decent third, fourth, fifth defensive tackle options. Okay. That, that does sound like rotation is the way they play it as opposed to having guys like the, the Steelers are a team that the Ravens face regularly that plays their, their best guys to it is out this year, but he would be one. And, and Hayward is certainly one. They play them an unbelievable number of snaps mm-hmm. and uh, Ravens are a rotational team. I always find it a little, a little weird when other teams are, are, are overworking their top players. Yeah, no, they definitely want to keep their, their pass rushers healthy or um, well, healthy, obviously, but fresh for, for third downs. All right. All right. So uh, let's move on to linebacker now and, and start with just a description of the off ball linebackers. But one of the questions I really had was the will linebacker spot. Does it really end up being a platoon where they, where they're the dime back is coming in for the will backer and yeah, that, or is, is that, is that substitution made otherwise in a different fashion for the Packers? Well, Devondre Campbell is, is definitely a three down, three down backer for them. They'll use him. Um, every down run defense. And then uh, I kind of mentioned how they'll use him in dime looks uh, as more of that hovering troublemaker is kind of how I would describe his role. He'll blitz, he'll spy, he'll drop, uh, he'll, they'll man him up a little bit, but not too often. That's not really his game. Um, but then you're, you're going to have Chris Barnes is basically just their number two guy who will play in like base nickel for sure. Some dime packages, they might include him, but he's probably coming off the field for um, a fourth cornerback. And uh, Barnes has is, is come on. He's been a nice, um, just a nice guy to step up this year as a number two backer. He's got good sideline to sideline speed. He can get a little bit better depth and coverage. And uh, that's that's really their, their two guys at this point in time. It's, it's not a system that uh, leans into their linebackers too much. Okay. All right. Well, fair enough. And let's talk then about the secondary and you can start however you want and talk through it. <laughs> this secondary gets me really excited, especially with uh, Jair Alexander, hopefully coming back. And uh, I, I haven't seen any news on if he's playing this week. Have you heard anything about Jair? I have not. I haven't been watching the Packers injury report, but the first one will be till tomorrow, right? Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, they just activated him from IR last week before that Bears game. He did not play. But uh, I think he's pretty dang close to coming back. So he's he's obviously one of the better corners in the NFL. He's been just a fast ascender since they drafted him. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's fast. He is super instinctive. He's aggressive against the run. So if, if they can get him back, I don't know if he'll be there for the Ravens game or not. But you, you've got an alpha there uh, to build the rest of this group around because Rasul Douglas has been a great free agent signing. He is kind of, you know, if, I hate to keep comparing everyone to Ravens players because it's not perfect, but similar to Marcus Peters in that he he can get beat. He's not the most amazing athlete, but he's just really instinctive and good at jumping balls. He's got good ball skills. He'll come up and hit you. And he's been just such a good piece for that outside corner 
Um, Eric Stokes, of course, has filled in as the outside corner with Jair Alexander out, and he's been great. We talked about him uh, at the beginning of the show. You've got uh, a slot guy in Shannon Sullivan, who's just kind of an average replacement level slot corner, but he's fine starting caliber guy. And then Kevin King, who's kind of a villain in Green Bay, is lengthy matchup type corner they've done a great job of making him a role player because when he's a full full-time starter it's it's bad business but uh, he has some traits he's he's got quick feet he's long and he's pretty tough <laughs> so if you can um, keep him away from the faster receivers man him up put him in the slot in in match coverages uh, he can he can do some stuff so with him being their fourth or fifth corner it's certainly not a not a bad option uh, so if they get Jair back, they're about five deep at corner. And then their safeties, it's one of the best safety duos in the league. Uh, Savage is, is coming on. Year three guy, super athletic first-round pick out of Maryland. I'm sure a lot of Ravens fans are familiar with him. Sure. And then uh, Adrian Amos is, is super versatile, big safety, just doesn't give up big plays. He's super smart at communicating all these quarters coverages they like to run. He'll pass guys off at the right time. And uh, to have two guys like that behind that group of corners, it's it's surprisingly become a bit of an embarrassment of riches in that secondary for for Green Bay. Yeah, for you Ravens fans who also wanted Adrian Amos in the draft, you're getting old too. He's seven years in the league now. <laughs> Boy, where's the t- where's the time gone, man? Oh. All right, uh, it's a great uh, walkthrough on that. So, if how would you expect the Ravens, sorry, the the Packers to defend Jackson if he plays? And maybe this is a different question than it would be normally because, you know, Jackson, uh, if, if he's working on a, on a bum ankle, maybe a different player. Yeah, that's a great point. I, knowing what I know about Green Bay, my guess is, like I said, they're going to invite him to run and they're going to really make him prove that that, that ankle is, is healthy and that he can move um, because they've played passers that I would say are, are comparable um, just passing styles with uh, Kyler Murray and, and Justin Fields this year, guys that do really want those big plays. They want to kick it outside. They want to hit those deep balls and they've done a great job um, against Kyler Murray and Justin Fields. They've had really good contain. Uh, the second those guys try to break the pocket, they've had a guy like Devondre Campbell and Amos uh, in the secondary, really good at coming down, making sure they don't get too many yards so that's my guess is they're going to come out. They're going to run a lot of quarters. They're going to run a lot of cover six, not a lot of man um, from Green Bay. One of the lower, lower man coverage teams in the league. Uh, so they're going to come out too high, probably a lot of, um, you know, base defense on early downs and then get into that nickel dime stuff pretty quickly and uh, put a contain on and, and basically force, force Lamar to play a patient game. And uh, as long as that game plan is working, they'll stick with it. But um they got to adjust they'll it's you know it's anyone's guess uh, what they're going to do because for the majority of their season that game plans work so we haven't really seen them have to adjust off of that too much all right certainly certainly helps to have the, 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 the teams that play a ton of dime one of the, the characteristics they share is they tend to beat the crap out of the opponent mm-hmm. because one of the times you can play dime is when you have a big lead of course yeah. you lead by you know 18 points in the second half you can just go to the dime every single down mm-hmm. so, uh the same goes for the base defense, by the way. The Ravens in 2019 played 10% base. Actually, actually, I think I'm thinking 18. 
now it's 19. They played 10, 10.6% base for the whole year, but they played 13.2% of just one of their dime packages, which has four outside linebackers to rush their quarterback. So it's, that's, you know, you see weird things like that happen when the team is leading the league. Yeah, definitely. And it helps to have a guy like Aaron Rodgers on the other side of the ball to pull that off. There you go. There you go. Um, is there, is there, I, I don't ask for predictions on the show, but if there, is there a player you think matches up really well against the Ravens for the Packers on each side of the ball, defensively and offensively? Yeah. I mean, it's a cop-out answer to say Devonte Adams, but with, with the injuries in the secondary for Baltimore right now, paired with this, the scheme that Baltimore likes, likes to run where you're getting a lot of cover one and a lot of cover three, which means a lot of single high safety. Uh, Rogers is, you know, the commercial that's out right now where it's like, I only have eyes for you. That's Rogers when he sees single eye, uh, single high with Devonte Adams, he wants to hit back shoulders, go balls, hitches, slants. It's, it's pretty remarkable. The difference uh, between how they play when they get single high and, and quarters or, or a, a two high shell. Um, so I, I think that could be a big problem for Baltimore, just a bad match of scheme, which oftentimes is a, just a, a unfortunate circumstance in NFL games. Um, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see how that plays out. And then defensively, uh, I am really excited to see these edge rushers go against Baltimore's, uh, banged up tackles. And, right. um, yeah, I mean, Preston Smith has been the best pass rusher in the league just the last four weeks. He has, uh, I think 31 pressures the last four weeks, five sacks. Holy it's it's absurd what he's doing. He was not that good to start the year. I think he'll come back to earth, but I don't think it happens this week. I mean, he has been unbelievable. Uh, it started with that Cardinals game against Kyler Murray. And then Rashawn Gary is a, a freaking monster. He's one of my guys. I, I just can't speak enough about uh, the power he brings and, and they keep him fresh, just comes in on third downs and he's just a menace. So, I mean, they got two, two top, uh, I think top 12 graded edge rushers per PFF right now. That's without Sedarius Smith. And then that's not even mentioning Kenny Clark, who's one of the better um, power rushing nose tackles in the league. So, you know, whether it's Hunley or Lamar, I think, I think they're going to be running a lot in this one. Right. It, uh, it's, this shapes up as far as I can see is a very tough matchup, regardless of which quarterback is going. And I, I think there's a reasonable chance since the Ravens, their, their leverage is really tied up in beating Cincinnati the following week and then Pittsburgh in the final week of the year. This Packers game, if in addition to being a game they're likely to lose anyway, is a game they can afford to lose more than they can afford to lose the game against Cincinnati the following week. So I think there's a chance Lamar will sit for this game. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll see how they play it. But uh, if so, obviously the Packers become fairly prohibitive favorites, I would say, and, uh, under the circumstances. Yeah, and I'm usually – I like to think I'm pretty pretty good at – you know, I don't pick the Packers to win every week, but I really do think this is uh, an unfortunate matchup for, for Baltimore with just bad timing. I think two teams kind of heading in opposite directions a little bit right now. Um, and, uh, I, if you needed a projection prediction, I would, I would expect green Bay to cover whatever spread they're putting out this week. I think it's going to be a a good day for, for green Bay. This, this is in green Bay or in Baltimore. No, in Baltimore. It is in Baltimore. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So, well, I'll be going to the game and, uh, that's fun. Get to be detached for a few hours from the, from the analysis component. Yeah. When I get home, I get to work. So absolutely. Uh, 
anyway, I really appreciate having you on. Marcus has been great uh, going through this. Really appreciate a knowledgeable guest who really understands their team. Uh, tell us again for where folks can find your work. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at TFG underscore football. And uh, come check out my, my YouTube page. Just search that franchise guy. And uh, appreciate you having me on, man. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, well, I appreciate you coming on, Marcus. Always good. The guests have been terrific this year in terms of just really understanding their own team and 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 being able to give good detail on scheme and uh, you know the individual players certainly. But you fit right into that group. You've done a great job, Marcus. Really appreciate you doing it. Uh, good luck on on Saturday and for the rest of your life, for that matter. Just good <laughs> luck with your with your marriage. Uh, other folks out there, if you're looking to do a 25 years episode, hit me up. I still got a couple that I can I can uh, slots that I can fit you in for. Uh, narrow topic that we can go deep on in 20 minutes about the first Ravens 25 years. Hit me up with a DM on Twitter. They're open. Marcus, thanks again for coming on, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. That was fun. Have a good week. We'll talk to you next time. Yeah. About film study. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.